welcome to the Mind Body Podcast, your rebellious podcast with me, your host, Maria, where it is all about a strong body, calm mind, healing, and fully living. And today we have a treat all the way from London, and that is Dr. Samantha Tross, a consultant, a hip and knee orthopedic surgeon. Oh, juicy stuff coming up. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Samantha, especially considering the time difference. Maria, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on your wonderful program. Yes, thank you. Well, Dr. Mm -hmm. Samantha, let's dive right in. We got to talk about those hips and knees. So yes. Let us learn about Dr. Samantha. Give us three words that give us a little bit of a backstory of who you are and tell us a little bit more about each. Right. Well, who am I? I am a Guyanese-born uh, orthopedic surgeon practicing in London. I've been a consultant for 18 years. Uh, I, I come into a specialty that really lacks diversity. So when I became a consultant, only 3% of orthopedic consultants in the UK were female. Wow. Um, wow. And that number is only uh, just over 6%. So we still have a lot of work to do. So I'm in a field where I'm very much in the minority. Uh, and of course, uh, you, we haven't got much women. We haven't got uh, much other diversity either. And I became the first black female orthopedic consultant in England when I became a consultant in 2005. Congratulations. Yes, someone who is not afraid to face challenges. That, that's who you have sitting in front of you. <laughs> I like that. That is why you're here. We want rebellious <laughs> spirits. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so the actual job. Yeah, so I specialize in, as an orthopedic surgeon, we treat conditions of bones, joints, tendons, structures that lie adjacent to the bones. And in your training, you, you train in all parts of the body. And then we are encouraged to specialize in a particular area. And so I specialize in hip and knee surgery, specifically in arthroplasty as in joint replacement, because one can also specialize in sports injuries, but I'm more in the arthroplasty side of things. Okay. Why hips and knee? It's a wonderful specialty. You know, with, with, hip surgery in particular, you have your intervention and you see the results very quickly. We're now moving towards day case surgery. So a patient mm -hmm. comes in a terrible pain, you give them a joint replacement, they're going home within a day or so and significantly improve. Now, obviously when they first leave hospital, they might still be using a crutch, um, but very quickly they're moving and, and getting back to normal life. And so I like that, that quick reward that one gets. Knee surgery takes a little bit longer to recover from, but also you see the significant impact on the other patient's lifestyle. So let's go kind of like before surgery. What can somebody do to prevent not having to do a hip or knee surgery? Let's talk about prevention first before we Yes, go. definitely. I think we should. We, we, we definitely need to, as surgeons to focus on that. As much as we love to operate, we need to make sure <laughs> that people remain well because we're doctors first and foremost. So it's, it's important that um, one keeps one's weight under control because if you have excess weight, then there's more stress on the joints. Uh, it's important to keep the joints moving and active, keep the muscles well-toned, yes, and moving the joints helps improve the lubrication and so on around the joints. That's important. Pay attention to your footwear um, <laughs> because that can have an impact on the alignment of the limb. And then if, if that's not... Uh, adequate then not only will you have pain in your in your limbs your lower leg your, your hips and your knees but it'll go up into the spine etc and then when you undertake activity which i'm encouraging you to do to keep uh, the weight down and keep the joints moving you've got to do it sensibly 
Um, make sure that you don't go and use equipment that you're not properly trained to use. Before you get going, you want to stretch the muscles, get them warm. And then when you, you know, when you finish, you want to cool down, stretch appropriately. Um, and of course, you have to have a balanced diet uh, because you want to make sure that the body processes are functioning well, that your bones are turning over well. So some people might, may have diets where they don't want to have dairy. You have to worry about how they're going to replace the calcium supplements. Important to eat um, foods with high antioxidants, such as berries, uh, you know, uh, green vegetables and so on. They help to fight disease processes. So that's how you really prevent uh, injuries. I do have to say, oh, the good stuff that I tell my clients. So now hear it from a doctor. you got to keep moving and it's all about lifestyle, right? It's a whole lifestyle. Interesting that you bring up, and you're not a foot doctor, right? You're hips and knees. No, the one exactly. I always tell my clients, and I give them homework, and we do a lot of work, is the feet. People don't yeah. think about their feet. And I always say the feet are the baseline of your tower. So if the baseline of your tower is off, everything, knees, hips, spine, shoulders, neck, you know, everything. Exactly. So, Maria, I fully, you've been telling them the right thing. I, I, I fully agree with <laughs> you. See, I love that. Okay. And you brought up um, nutrition, which again goes back to lifestyle, right? It's a lifestyle. Stay mobile, you know, yes. lubricating the joints, making sure you stay active, muscles stay strong so you don't atrophy, especially age. All of these so important things. And honestly, I think sometimes we think they're difficult things to do, but like even mm -hmm. going for a walk, you know, like investing into a good pair of shoes, like these exactly. are things that we can do to stay mobile and healthy and exactly yeah exactly that love it love it love it how about the strong core do you have any core any thoughts on the strong core because that's my specialty oh absolutely important i mean you you you're giving them all the pearls and you're quite right and i'm i'm, I'm delighted to hear to come and endorse everything that you've been saying it's so important to have a strong core uh you know because look all the muscles work synergistically you have a weak core, then the other muscles are trying to compensate. And that's how you're going to get yourself injured. Uh, so when you think of the spine, um, the, the spine is supported by the, the, the abdominal muscles and then the back muscles in the back. If the, if the core is weak, the, the back muscles are having to work extra hard. The spine is getting extra stress. And then the other muscles around the pelvis trying to stabilize the pelvis, the glutes, the, the hamstrings, and everything, the cause, everything there, they all work together. And when one's out of kilter, you're putting stress on the others. That's what I say. <laughs> a dysfunction in one place is a dysfunction everywhere. So that is exactly what you're saying. So let's talk about you're exercising, you're eating well, you're getting older, but there is like that nagging pain that's still there. When is it time to see an orthopedic, maybe surgeon, you know, a doctor? What are some warning signs? Let's talk specifically hips and knees. I think it's always very reasonable if you if when you first getting pain to first of all modify your activity. So look at the way you're doing it. Can you do it in a different way? Um, so so try that first. Um, then you can, apart from modifying it, perhaps do it for a shorter duration of time. Yeah. Uh, and then if you're still getting pain and things are not settling, then I, I think it's very reasonable to see a physiotherapist. Um, and to try get, getting advice uh, from, from that end. But if symptoms fail to respond to, to, to physio, then certainly one should seek advice. But there are certain what we call red flags to look out for. 
So if you get severe pain that is rapidly progressing, then you know I think you should seek medical intervention. If you have any associated neurology, then I think think about seeing someone. If you have associated temperature, so you know systemic symptoms, you you, you should think about seeing a doctor earlier. Uh, if you suddenly notice uh, the marked restriction in joint movement, yeah, mm -hmm. then that 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 is something to to see someone about. And if you suddenly notice a progressive shortening in limb length, you know your legs getting shorter, you suddenly notice your trousers are scuffing the ground where they were before. It's flayed on one side and not on the other. Um, those are the kind of red flag signs that I would say. No, that that now I was talking about the the leg in general. Now, with regards to the knee specifically, if you experience what we call locking for, for us locking means an inability to straighten the leg so you try to straighten it and it just won't straighten but equally if you you've got restriction of flexion if there is a history of instability so you you don't feel confident in your knee or the knee gives way on you and if there's massive swelling as well you know and all the other things i mentioned previously these are what we consider our red flag signs and that's when you would come and see someone rather than starting off with physio etc yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of great points about modifications, for example, right? Because I think as a culture, generally we are taught to push through the pain, right? Push through the pain, you get stronger. And one thing yes. I tell clients is uh, don't push through the pain. That's your body's telling you something is not right. So there is no need to push through it, right? It's one thing yes. to feel muscle burn, but it's yes. to be in pain. And exactly. you mentioned um, neurological you know, uh, effects. You know, I tell people like no tingling. If you ever feel any kind of tingling, you stop right away because you don't want to affect your nerves because that's yes. ideal, right? Yes, uh, indeed. And then another important thing that you mentioned was range of motion. I think sometimes we get into a routine that is very repetitive and a particular joint, like maybe the hips, right? They move only maybe into a flexion. So like you're lifting your leg up, right? Yes. You don't go into an extension or maybe you don't open out or come back in, right? And it is important to stay active through the full range of motion into a joint, whether that's the knee, the hip, the shoulders, any joint that's out there, right? Exactly that. Exactly that. And then to the point that you make, if your body is screaming for help, please go see the doctor. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you mentioned something else, which we see a lot in elderly. Uh, they start seeing problems with balance and stability. And I always tell my older clients, Sitting down into a chair, hoping that the chair will catch your weight is not a good strategy. So you yeah. want to make sure that you have, you know, the proper biomechanics and strength or support, maybe hold on to sit down versus just throw yourself. Just dropping yourself into it. Yes, exactly. I agree with you entirely. Yeah. I agree. So let's go now. You have had the surgery. What yes. Do you do after the surgery to make sure that you make full recovery. Well, okay. So, I mean, a little bit before that, um, not everybody who has pathology necessarily will require surgery. Uh, one has to be fit enough to undergo the, the operation. Uh, and surgery is really tailored to the patient. So it's not sort of one size fits all. Um, so when we when we putting in our implants, we, there are different ways of impacting, putting it in either with or without cement, the different size of the components, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that are individually tailored for a patient. Uh, and, and you will only have the surgery if it's deemed appropriate because we want you to have a good outcome. Now you've had your surgery. Surgery is just the beginning of the patient's journey. So when my, my part is finished, 
is just the beginning for the patient. And we can't, I can't stress the importance of the exercise that comes afterwards because you can have a brand new shiny joint. If you don't rehab properly, then it's no good to you. Uh, but a lot of people focus on the rehabilitation after surgery. And I'm trying to impart the knowledge that rehabilitation prior to surgery is as important. Because, for instance, in a knee replacement, the most important predictor of post-operative range of motion is pre-operative range of motion. So if you're very stiff beforehand, putting in a new prosthesis is not going to necessarily just be the magic cure. You've got to stretch the ligaments and make sure they're ready to receive the prosthesis. So it's about going back and doing adequate rehabilitation. Sometimes if you push yourself and you go too fast, too quickly, that can cause a lot of inflammation of the ligaments and tendons around, and that can sort of slow you down. So it's about doing it at a, in a timely, steadily progressive manner. Yeah. yeah. Really like what you said about preparing your body for surgery, because, and I don't know how it is in the UK versus the United States, but the United States is a very sedentary lifestyle for the most part, right? Stereotype. Yeah. And I think people think, oh, I'm just going to go get a new hip. And I'm still going to continue with my, you know, couch potato lifestyle. I'm not <laughs> going to move. I'm going to continue it poorly. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to be exposed to high levels of stress. And they think that just getting the surgery, it's going to be a game changer. Yes. And not conditioned before that, to your point. And then I also love what you said, that you have to listen to your body with recovery. A lot of times there's discomfort, there is the fear of pain. Actually, that's, I would love for you to talk about that because I see that yeah. in a lot of people who are in pain, they're scared to move. And they yes. not to move because they, they're like, this is going to hurt. But you can be very gentle and do modification and go small range of motion to still help with mobility. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why you see a lot of it is about the counseling of the patient before the surgery. I think that's absolutely key. And I really impart on them the, 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 the knowledge and, and the importance of getting that movement. And if they want to have a good outcome, they have got to move. You've got to move through the pain. I don't want to hear why I'm in pain. Uh, you know, I can't move. But obviously, as a surgeon, we have to do as much as we can to improve the patient's pain because we know, you know, the people in pain don't necessarily want to move. I mean, that, that's a natural thing. And so for me, when I'm undertaking the surgery, I ensure I inject local anesthetic, starting from the bone outwards. So really anesthetize around the bone, the capsule, where there's a lot of nerve endings, then the muscle, the tendon, and then the skin finally. Uh, and then work very closely with my anesthetist to ensure that the patient's pain control is adequate. So apart from the intra-articular and periarticular injection, it's about making sure they have adequate oral and intravenous painkillers uh, on board as well. But yes, patients uh, are, are spend a lot of time counseling, and you know I have so I have an app. Which the light is very poor there. Yes. And you can send that to me and we can, can share it. You can share that. But it's it's an app for them to download. And on there, it has the exercises um, for patients. It's a lot of information about which I give them a chance to read so they, they can get themselves prepared. Because, you know, when patients come for consultation, you can import, impart a lot of knowledge there. But sometimes they're nervous. And you don't know, they might only take in 50%. They might be 20%. You don't know what state of mind. They might look like they're attentive, but a lot is not is not uh, being taken in. So it gives them a chance to go back and digest it. 
because um, even in a consultation letter, there's only so much you can write in a letter. Uh, so with this app, they can go, they can take their time, they can pause, they can discuss with their family, their videos on there, showing them the exercises, they can familiarize themselves prior to surgery and so on. Um, but yes, it's, it's very important that we, we as doctors, surgeons, that we um, work hard to ensure that the patient's pain control is satisfactory. But it's important that we also educate them and let them know the importance of early movement. Yeah. What would you tell to elderly patients who are slowing down, are not in the mood to move, it's too hot, it's too cold, then there is also, you probably deal with that, there is a lot of fear of falling because they don't feel stable. Um, yes. It's something I constantly have to reinforce to my, especially elderly, you have to keep moving, you have to keep moving, you have to do something every day. Um and they, some of them are honest. They're like, I don't want to do anything. And I'm like, no, that is not a good choice. Well, that is a choice. It is just yes, not a good choice. Yes, not sure. Over time, if you stop moving, things will atrophy, right? The body that does not move will get weaker. And exactly. if you're older, it comes a stage where there's no going, there's no going back, right? That's right. That's so right. What is your advice for people who are, I mean, could be young too, who are immobile, well, um, mm. I mean, you know, part of being a surgeon is, is, of course, choosing the right patient. And that's why I said to you, not every person with disease is, 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 is a good candidate for surgery. Uh, and, you know, if you come to me and you're someone who clearly I can see is demotivated and not going to move, then I, I, st I strongly say to you, well, you know, is this, the, is this the right operation for you? Because there's no point going through all of that. It's a very expensive procedure. Um, uh, it, there's trauma to the body. Uh, and if you not gonna if you go through all that for nothing then what's, what's what's the point you know so so i it's it's about selection of the correct patient now obviously as one gets older particularly if you've got multiple comorbidities you've got other joints that are making things are going to be difficult we understand that um but it's it's about checking that the patient still has the motivation it's about modifying the exercise in a way that they can tolerate it um and so we have to also that's why i say treatment is individualized you have to adapt according to the patient's needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is what I tell people. Um, yesterday I was teaching a group class and somebody said, oh, my sciatica is bothering me, but I can push through for most of it. And I was like, you do not push through sciatica pain, right? Yes. That is not a joke. You decrease the range of motion. You use your yes. voice. You need to, you stop. And we go through what other modifications can we do? But you do not push through it feels uncomfortable. It feels painful. I feel tingling. You do not push through. Don't push through that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Very good. Well, Dr. Samantha, do you have any favorite quote or a piece of advice you would like to wrap up with? A piece of advice? My goodness. Um, I just think that, you know, we need to, we only have one body. That's what I would say. Uh, and, and it's up to us to, to take care of it. As a doctor, I can help you, but ultimately it comes down to you. And um, in order to prolong and, and, and have a healthy life, then we have to look at all aspects. Um, you know, keeping healthy in terms of uh, looking at the nutrition that we put into our bodies, that's, that's very key. Making sure that our bodies get enough rest. Um, and then looking after our joints, as I said to you, the way that we look after our joints, making sure that we use equipment that we, we, we've been taught how to use properly, that it's within our capacity and because even something that's light used in the wrong way can cause damage yeah. um so, so it's, it's about using things effectively and finally as we talked about 
the importance of footwear, which I think a lot of people overlook. Yeah. Speaking of footwear, let's throw what are a couple of things to pay attention to when picking uh well, it's important that you have the the arch of the foot is well supported. That that's very key. Um, and so you know, if 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 you when when you choose your shoes, to check and make sure that I mean, yes, of course, you can wear a completely flat shoe for a short period of time, but but that should not be done consistently uh, or persistently, I should say, because that's going to lead to problems. So the 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 support is important. It's got to have a nice flexible sole to allow the normal cadence of the foot that you can do your toe, you know, heel strike, then 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 toe off in in a normal way. And, and that is got enough room to accommodate the foot and that it's not too tight to cause um, um, pressure areas on, on the foot. Those are, those are the key things. Now, no one's saying that one can't wear a heel. Of course, every woman wants to wear a little heel and so on. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to wear toe, shoes where you're putting all your weight on your on your toes for a prolonged period of time, that's not going to do you good. But, but of course, uh, you know, every, every girl likes her heels. And I'm not telling people not to use it. <laughs> Short well, periods of time. <laughs> everything in moderation. <laughs> yeah, everything in moderation. I completely agree with you. And I would say you like, especially as people age, we see a lot of like the toes get so tight and sometimes we see the toes like on top of each other and I'm yes. like, got to stretch them, you know, you got to keep that base wide because that's your stability. That's your base exactly. shoes, which are like squishing your toes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Yeah. So no, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I just want to let the, the, the audience know that I mean, I am a consultant here in London um, and I, I work out of the, the Cromwell Hospital, the Harley Street Specialist Hospital, the Clementon Churchill in Harrow, and I can also be found at the Chiswick Medical Center. And I would be more than happy to look after you uh, with any of your hip and knee problems. You, I, I can promise you a first-class service, uh, which is individualized to you, um, uh, because you know the patient's outcome is, 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 is my priority. And Dr. Samantha, how can people connect with you? Yes, so I'm, I'm on Insta. I mean, I must admit, you know, because of my work commitment, I am not on social media as perhaps, you know, I need to improve that. Um, but, I, but I am on, 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 it used to be called Twitter. Is it still called Twitter? What is it now? I, I don't know. I'm not on Twitter, sorry. <laughs> it's Black Cross now, but uh, anyway, I'm on there. My, my I, at Samantha. The cross, you know that that's my hashtag. Uh, I'm on Instagram, joint re joint replacement surgery, JR Surge, uh, um, and where else? Where else is there? I, of course, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is very much a profession, and that's how we met on LinkedIn. And that is where I spend most of my time, actually, is on on LinkedIn. So th those are the main areas. Facebook, I only keep for my for my my private for my. I do have actually a work Facebook, a joint replacement surgery. Joint Replacement Surgery Facebook. Again, not, not on there as much. LinkedIn is really where I put my focus. But um, hope to connect with you, you all out there. Yeah. And before we wrap up, I do have to ask you, what is your definition of rebellious? Ooh, what is my definition of rebellious? Now, I, what was I, you know, the problem is I've been too good most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now in my late, I mean, you know, I'm in my mid-50s. I'm now learning to be rebellious. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to think. It's never too late. Never, it's never too late. Exactly. It's never too late. My goodness, now you've caught me rebellious. 
I don't know. I don't know. I need to be more rebellious. I need to hang out with you a bit more, Maria. <laughs> yes, okay. You got it. <laughs> I can help you being rebellious. You Lovely. have any knowledge, I'll help you be rebellious. How about that? Perfect, perfect. We're going to connect up on LinkedIn and yes, I, 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 will, I will get some knowledge from you. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Samantha, you are a pleasure. Thank you for making it. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Lovely to meet you to talk yes. to you. Take Thank you so much for listening in. Let us know if you have any questions. And of course, you know, stay rebellious. See you next time. Bye.